everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Serverless Mindset Podcast. This is episode number eight, and today I'm super, super happy to be joined by the amazing Joan Zachariah Noel, a fellow AWS community builder and recently named an AWS serverless hero, which I am su- I'm sure is, is, is incredibly excited and delighted uh, about it. He's also a senior developer advocate at Freshworks in Bangalore, India. So Jones, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Marco. Thank, thanks you for inviting me and having me here. Uh, and hi, everybody. So Excellent. So uh, why don't you just maybe, uh, I know I've already said a couple of things about you, but why don't you maybe quickly introduce yourself? Anything anything we should know about you that I haven't that I haven't said already? Uh, so you pretty much covered everything in terms of my uh, what I do at work and the recently being named and recognized as a serverless hero. So uh, a little to add on to that, I started my ser- uh, serverless journey back in 2018. And ever since I've been advocating about uh, serverless and how to architect with serverless using different services, how, how best can it be to have it in your architecture, all of these things. Uh, apart from that, I also co-organize AWS UG Bangalore um, mm-hmm. back here in India. So yeah, that's pretty much about me. <laughs> Fantastic. So today, the question that I sort of uh, the topic that I that I want to explore with you, and I know that you have you have a lot to say here, and I'd be really keen to sort of uh, get some some wisdom from you here is that so within the context of event driven sort of architectures is this idea of choreography versus orchestration. And I'd be particularly interested to hear from you uh, about sort of the options. So choreography options and orchestration options that we've got in serverless, uh, particularly obviously within the sort of the AWS ecosystem. So what options are there and uh, sort of what works best for which use case? Awesome. Uh, So when we speak about choreography itself, right, the word choreography, it resembles the word and the architecture of uh, event-driven architectures where uh, you have certain services working on its own uh, based on events or anything such. And its whole uh, communication is based out of a common system, right? Uh, so it, the very services that you could relate to on on AWS with respect to serverless is EventBridge, uh, where you have an event bus, which is uh, serving a lot of services with the respective events. Uh, you could also think about uh, SNS and SQS to a point where uh, you could have a decoupled architecture and it serves a purpose until a point, but then even bridge plays around a lot more where you have a bus and then there's the bus holds certain rules and these rules define which target it goes to, right? So that way uh, your whole uh, orchestration or your whole uh, choreography of the term of choreography of uh, the event itself is from a specific source to a destination via event bridge. And uh, the rules are so amazing that uh, you could have certain things like, okay, if the source is say an event from S3 or if it's an event from Lambda, you could do, you could target it to a specific uh, destination with filters and rules. Uh, And the very fact about uh, a bus having multiple rules makes it so easy for uh, folks to create their architectures where uh, there is a whole lot of things being pushed into a same uh, same 
event bridge and uh, this will eventually translate or uh, transpose the events to the respective targets so uh, i was speaking about event bridge and saas product uh, integrations uh, at dev uh, aws dev day in bangalore and uh, uh, I was just demonstrating how uh, you could integrate with a SaaS product, right? Uh, often at uh, times as developers, we work with a lot of SaaS products. And when you're integrating with such SaaS products, the very difficulty of calling APIs, trying to keep things in sync is a hard thing. When you have event bridge in the equation, um, all uh, the SaaS product can post events to the event bridge and you can pick it up from the event bridge. It resolves to a needed destination. And the whole uh, flow is being beautifully uh, choreographed. So uh, that's the whole beauty of choreography-based uh, uh, integration patterns. When you uh, come into orchestration, and I've been speaking about step functions off late. I mean, it's been about three to four months is, is what I'm talking about, step functions continuously. And uh, orchestration is uh, one of the booming things in terms of uh, step functions uh, where uh, you have the complete workflow. So most of the times when you think about uh, any serverless workload, it's usually a workflow, right? If you uh, break it down to a minute level, it's a workflow. It could be something like a payment uh, processing or a user sign up or something like those, which is a workflow which walks through certain steps and each of those steps is integrating with certain other uh, services on AWS. When uh, these uh, integrations are happening, it the beauty of step functions is there's direct uh, integration and you don't have Lambda functions as well, right? So uh, if step functions as well has been uh, evolving in terms of uh, introducing new in, intrinsic functions and a lot of things, which is helping you to build orchestrations uh, out of the blue, like uh, the Workflow Studio on AWS console helps you with drag and drop and creating your whole workflow on, on the fly. And it generates a, a JSON file, which you could take it and uh, use it in your infrastructure as code uh, uh, systems as well. So uh, these state machine uh, JSONs are so great that your complete workflow is in one place and say today, uh, tomorrow you want to modify certain things or uh, maybe you want to uh, remove certain steps or add certain steps. It's so easy because it, you have to do it in one one place and the ease of management is so good. Whereas with uh, uh, choreography based, it's mostly a distributed system or a, a totally decoupled system where uh, it could be things like uh, uh, it just in terms of user sign up, uh, if you uh, think of uh, user sign up as one and uh, then the user has to do a uh, payment confirmation or something and has to go through a payment gateway, all these things are could be as different microservices and all of them depend on events being posted onto your event bridge. So uh, when you have to do a one service uh, change, it's only on one service and the uh, way how you could you do it is so easy with DevOps. Uh, and DevOps-based practices where uh, you do only one one change in one place. Uh, maybe if something breaks, it's only in that specific service it's going to break. And the whole system still uh, still is intact and is working is going to be working well. Whereas in workflows, say for example, you uh, you do some mistake. Just just for instance, you ins you insert a new service integration, 
and probably you may have uh, missed out on the IAM permission to that specific API action. And uh, you try to do an execution and it fails. It fails with the error that it doesn't have permission, right? So when it's doing that, your whole workflow is at halt because any, any, any flow that is going through that step is actually breaking. And for you to manage it, you have to ensure that you go update your workflow and the whole management in terms of the whole workflow has to be managed is, is more in terms of uh, orchestration-based architecture. But whereas with a choreography-based architecture, even if one thing fails, you know what's, what's, what could have gone wrong and you could fix it as fast as possible. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I know that's two different huge topics. I'm trying to uh, squeeze it into a small brief. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's amazing. What was that? Like seven minutes, it, six minutes. Incredible. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Now this this yeah this this is excellent. Um, obviously no, you're right. There's there's a lot there that could be said, but I, I think you've managed to give us a really good high level overview of choreography and orchestration options within the AWS ecosystem. Uh, I've got a few sort of um, follow up questions for you. One of the things you mentioned, and I think this applies equally, although in slightly different ways, but equally to uh, EventBridge and Step Functions is this idea that so with with Evanbridge you've got all these uh, SaaS integrations, yep. yep. Uh, whereas with Step Functions you've got uh, the, the direct integrations. Now, what what is possible there, and what uh, I think a lot of people are even encouraging uh, users to do is to avoid code altogether, right? So skip, for example, Lambda and just do a direct integration, right? Which it's it's great in in some senses, but obviously it it comes with some downsides. What what are your thoughts on that? And also, I suppose as a as a, as a follow up to to that, I would also say, how do you deal with testing? Hmm. Okay, so uh, about the question in terms of uh, uh, when you're trying to integrate with uh, different uh, be it be it in the orchestration uh, based. A pattern or a choreography-based pattern, all of these support direct integrations. And I'm a big fan of direct integrations. So mm-hmm. uh, when you're trying to build this, uh, you're essentially removing or eliminating Lambda lambda functions in your architecture, which means you're, uh, you don't have to worry about cold starts or uh, there could be certain other uh, issues with Lambda functions, which you're essentially avoiding it and letting the... Uh, uh, responsibility be on AWS side where uh, it's responsible for scalability and availability of, of those services, right? Because uh, when you're tra- doing direct integrations, the responsibility is more on AWS rather than on uh, the developers. So uh, that's a big win. But uh, there are some downsides. Uh, like, for, for instance, if you have uh, certain data manipulations or uh, something where you have to retrieve data and structure it in a way where a specific service needs, probably it's not possible today. Like, uh, like for instance, uh, just before intrinsic functions came out, the new set of 14 intrinsic functions came out, whenever you had to uh, generate UUIDs or when you had to uh, uh, probably build something out like 
in terms of uh, structuring a couple of things you have to ha- you had to have a, a task which is going to lambda function structuring it the way it needs and then going back uh, even today there are a couple of edge cases which uh, which has the necessity for lambda functions because uh, you cannot structure it the way how it needs or it needs multiple such inputs all these factors come into place when uh, when you're trying to do a direct integration right so at those points lambda functions play a very important role where you it could the beauty of lambda function is again uh, it can talk to multiple things right and it could do wonders so uh, when you're trying to do that uh, lambda functions help a lot but again if if your workflow is so min- minimalistic uh, direct integrations will be beautifully uh, uh, it's it works beautifully uh, so yeah that's uh, that's about the uh, 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 that's about the first question any any thoughts or any follow up things about it that yeah before we go into yeah, this yeah no that 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 no that's that sounds great and yeah i think especially the idea of sort of delegating certain aspects of what's going on i suppose to aws as opposed to writing your own your own custom code that's that is a very serverless thing to do of course right <laughs> so um it is it is to be encouraged but uh yeah as you said there there can be there are edge cases and there there are of course and i suppose maybe that's that's probably the other thing that you're about to to answer now which is you know uh, cons- developer concerns in terms of testing and and sort of maintainability of that right what do you think of that uh, yes. So testing is a whole uh, huge topic on its own itself. So <laughs> let me be tr- uh, let me try to concise it as much as possible. <laughs> right. So uh, there's often this question like, how do I test my serverless application? Is it local testing? Do I mock something with events and certain JSON payloads and uh, test things out, or do I test it on the cloud? Uh, I would always prefer the cloud because uh, mocking is only a way that you are trying to simulate a lot of things. Like, say, for example, you're trying to mock a specific uh, uh, workflow or you're trying to mock a specific uh, uh, Lambda function execution, on, be it on SAM or uh, any of these uh, to, uh, wonderful uh, tools that are there. So when you're trying to do this, although you can do testing, it's more of a unit testing of uh, is that Lambda function going to be uh, successfully executed or it's going to error out certain certain cases. But you cannot simulate all the scenarios. When you're trying to integrate the same Lambda function with different other event sources, so say, for example, your Lambda function is is a, a resolver for an AppSync API or an API gateway API, uh, the payload may differ when uh, you're trying to integrate. And it could be things like even IoT-based things where... Uh, it's sending in certain parameters and suddenly there is a huge spike in data and uh, there is a lot of information coming in and you don't know how to process them, right? So all these cases are well-tested on the cloud where uh, anything can go wrong is on the cloud, not on your system, right? Uh, Because uh, on your system, it's only uh, simulating a lot of things. And of course, uh, simulating is good because you're you're doing a unit testing of it, but uh, as a whole, the integration testing and the complete testing is better off on the cloud. Uh, so that is one point. And when you're talking about 
uh, unit testing itself, uh, when developers are trying to uh, test a couple of things, it's with those uh, specific JSONs. And when you're trying to do, I'm a big, I'm a big u- uh, user of SAM CLI. So when you're trying to do a lot of uh, SAM-based events, the beauty of SAM is you could generate those events, event payloads, and you could use those JSON structures to uh, invoke your Lambda or do your unit testing. That way you know that, okay, uh, on the cloud, my event looks like this. And when I'm generating it, the event is similar. So you could work on the same structure. Just in case if you're trying to uh, manually test it or uh, uh, say, for example, you're trying to construct the whole event on your own, you might miss out on certain things or certain structure itself. Or it could be something like a parent-child-based structure where uh, there's an event and then there is... Uh, inside the event, there's payload, some some structure like that. You might miss out on those things. And when it is on the cloud, everything fails. But you will be in the fact that, okay, what did, what went wrong? And uh, the whole fact about debugging it is just the fact that you, you are using a different structure for your payload, right? So all these cases, uh, when you're trying to work it out on uh, cloud or uh, when you're trying to do it with local testing, uh, generating these events on the go, uh, probably leaving those to things like IAC providers, so that uh, your struct, your events, event payloads are in sync with what's on, what's going to be on the cloud. So, using these kind of ways, you could do a lot of unit testing. And of course, uh, when you're trying to do this, you're ensuring only if the uh, flow of the system is working or not. You're not actually testing the system itself. When I say flow, uh, I say flow because you're ensuring that, okay, be it uh, you're mocking uh, the Lambda function or you're mocking step functions itself, it's ensuring that uh, it's going from uh, one step to the other step or to the other step and completing the old flow. You're not testing if it is actually integrating with that specific service and getting the response or not, right? Because it's all simulated and uh, to simulate something which integrates with a specific service, say for example, you are mocking some step functions which integrates with uh, recognition or text track kind of things. Uh, these are best suited when it's trying to be uh, trying to integrate on the cloud because those services cannot be mocked on your local system. Uh, you could only, for a fact, say that okay, this is going to be my response and work on it, but it may not be the same case. So uh, these kind of things is what uh, helps uh, test on the cloud. So one approach that I do, especially with step functions, is I, I use the, the workflow editor on the console and I try to uh, design the whole workflow there, try to test the whole workflow with the uh, execution uh, te- steps. And when you're trying to do that, uh, at least until for some time back, it was only standard workflows which supported the whole uh, debug uh, and logs on on the console. But recently, even uh, express workflows have been supported with the same, right? So when you're trying to test these things, the logs play a lot of importance. And uh, the very fact that you can navigate between different steps and see, okay, uh, at this step, this was my input, this was my output. And if something went wrong, you know that, okay, uh, at this step, it is because of this reason I something broke. So all these kind of, uh, well, it's it's more like debugging of, the te- of your test case scenario, but uh, 
you're you're trying to build on top of how uh, how these services can be integrated with and uh, how how it gives you the response and how you send the response all of these play a very important role and it's best tested on the uh, cloud so what i essentially do is i build out the whole workflow tested that uh, if there are some errors uh, thanks to the console, all the errors are available there, and uh, I get the I fix them, and I go back and I get the whole JSON state machine JSON available. I use that in my IAC uh, provider. So uh, that's that's some of the ways that you could do it. But if you're trying to uh, do a lot of things with Lambda functions, uh, of course, uh, Sam Sync is what I would use. Uh, because you're trying to develop something, you you can immediately sync it with the cloud. And uh, the beauty of it is it's so good that uh, it's using uh, uh, APIs behind the hood to just sync your cloud uh, code itself and not your infrastructure. So say, for example, you're making some changes in your code and you want to test something. Uh, you can sync it directly to the cloud and test it on the cloud. And uh, there are these uh, certain uh, flags available with SamSync uh, which is Sam Accelerate. So uh, you could even watch all these logs and understand, okay, uh, I've synced it, I'm testing it on the cloud, and I'm seeing the logs on my machine, on my uh, IDE, right? So that's the uh, that's an amazing developer experience where mm-hmm. you're trying to develop, test, fix, and test. So, yeah. That's that's fantastic. Well, that, that, yeah, that was a very comprehensive uh, answer there. And um, yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It is definitely. It's tricky. It can be tricky, at least finding the right balance with the cloud within the cloud. Finding the right balance between when to unit test, when to integration test, when to end to end test, uh, what to mark, what not to mark. That whole thing. It's. It's. There's. There's lots of debates out there as well. Uh, people have different opinions. Uh, but that was. That was super super helpful. I had another question just in terms of step functions, and then. A couple of just final questions before we sort of wrap it up. Uh, so, do you see a danger with step functions that, uh, as sort of because it's also centralized, that it could turn into a kind of like a monolithic system if left to its own devices? Uh, yes. So, uh, to answer your point, well, uh, there is this cost in terms of every every state transition, right? So that will mm-hmm. probably keep everyone on their eyes telling, okay, this is a lot of steps and I would have to uh, probably break them down into smaller workflows. So uh, it's it's actually an inception of step functions is what I would say is a b- good design in terms of you have a huge workflow, break them down into smaller ones. Probably you could even have a hybrid architecture with uh, orchestration and uh, choreography where uh, you have something that's executing on step function A. It's processing to a point, and probably it's even uh, completed the execution. And the last step, it might be even post the data to even bridge. And even bridge can take it and invoke another state machine, and the whole process can uh, go ahead. Right. So it's mm-hmm. always good to uh, break them down to the smaller. Uh, the chunks of workflows. The same th- same logic with Lambda functions as well, right? Uh, you have a right. huge Lambda function. It's it's going to work. Not that it's not going to work. It's going to work, but it's going to be uh, co- it's not going to be cost effective. It's not going to be performant. So uh, it's always best to break things down to a smallest level possible, so that uh, you're it's easy to manage as well. So you, uh, I say 
uh, step functions is a single source of uh, truth as well, right? Because your whole integrations is available in one place. So uh, if it's a huge workflow, well, it's although it's going to be uh, in one place, but it's going to be massively huge for you to even manage it. So uh, although you can do the same thing with your IAC providers, what you could do is you can split them out into smaller uh, state machines, use them using your same uh, IAC tool as one application and deploy them. So uh, that's probably the approach that I would uh, go with. Gotcha. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. Yes, I, I I do like also that analogy. Thinking thinking of step your your sort of step function um, systems and components in in the same way as you would think about lambda, uh, which actually has never occurred to me. But it's it, it is the same idea. You wanna you wanna keep it as small as small as possible uh, because that's how you get then the best performance and and as well as sort of cost optimizations, which is which is important because step functions is is a bit pricey, right? Yeah, so just just to sort of as we wrap it up, this was uh, I found this very very helpful um, and quite comprehensive, uh, given given sort of the short time we've had together to talk. Uh, but just to sort of conclude, uh, do, do you have any rules of thumb in terms of when would you when would you prefer using uh, orchestration versus when would you rather use choreography do you have any rules of thumb or, or or even examples that come to mind of when one one works better than the other probably not examples but some some of the rules that i that i always think of is uh, i would choose a, a choreography based architecture when the team is very huge uh, that way uh, each engineer who is working on the same application can own certain aspects of things. And uh, the whole uh, ownership of that specific service or the specific microservice is on that engineer or uh, two or three engineers who are working on that. So that way, it's easy to manage. And uh, when when something goes wrong, you know that, okay, uh, the whole system is still intact. There is no... A single point of failure. Uh, there's no complete point of failure, but there's only at one point it's going to fail. Uh, the other rule is uh, I always, like I was just mentioning, I always try to break things down into smaller chunks, uh, be it with uh, microservices based or be it with uh, the orchestration based. I always try to break things down smaller. So uh, most of the times I use a hybrid kind of a thing where uh, certain things are done with orchestration, certain things are done with uh, choreography where you have a lot of things happening because serverless cannot be a one specific architecture and it's always going to differ based on the use case that you're trying to solve. And uh, every time you do it, every approach is right in its own way. There's no right or wrong because uh, uh, at some point you, you come to a state where uh, a specific use case needs orchestration. At some point, you come into a stage where uh, a certain uh, use case needs uh, uh, choreography-based, where it's talking to multiple things. It's it has it needs uh, certain dead letter queues or all these things. So uh, there's no right or wrong. It's only going to be on the use case and how how you are uh, going to be developing it. So these two rules is what I always look for. Fantastic. Jones, this has been a, a real pleasure, uh, a super helpful, uh, informative. And uh, yeah, I've learned a lot today. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing 
all your knowledge, uh, or, or at least some of your <laughs> knowledge on uh, on this topic. And um, where can people find out more about you? Where can people get in touch with you or follow follow your work and everything? All the all the amazing things that you're doing for the community. So uh, I'm active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, thankfully, Twitter is available. So uh, I'm available <laughs> on Twitter as well. So uh, apart from that, being. yes. <laughs> so uh, apart from that, uh, the community builders can find me on the community builders Slack. Uh, I'm available there. And I've also answered a lot of folks there on the Slack itself. I've tried to have one-on-ones with a couple of people, help them out when uh, building or understanding serverless and things like that. Uh, otherwise, uh, I usually prefer LinkedIn or Twitter, where uh, anybody can DM me and I am happy to chat. So uh, all these handles are available on my uh, uh, website. That's zachjonesnoel.com. So you can just go to one place and find all the handles and it's hyperlinked, so you can easily find me there. <laughs> Brilliant. And yeah, we'll make sure to add all those links to the, to the show notes as well. Thanks, Marco. Thanks, Jones. And uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please don't forget to share this episode with anyone you think might be interested. And uh, as well, if, you, if you'd like to receive more of these conversations in your inbox, don't forget to subscribe at theserverlessmindset.com. Thank you so much and see you next time.